Screams coming from the residence at 825 Elm Street. Respond code 3. 817-1076-8824 dispatch copies. Also be advised, we've received multiple calls on this. Dispatch, AP-17023. I have two subjects on the front porch covered in blood. Start me an ambulance. There's more units. Tell me what I got. AP-17 dispatch copies. Break. AP-11, AP-63 respond with AP-17 and AP-24 to an unknown problem at 825 Elm Street. AP-17 is a 1023 with individuals on the porch covered in blood. AP-17, have everybody expedite. I've got two dead in the basement. We're hunting for a book written by a demon, and you're coming with us. This is the Walk in Darkness podcast. Hey everybody, good to have you with me this week. I am Wally Fitch, and tonight we're going to explore the night of December 24th, 1977. The night that saw two people dead and two more traumatized for life. So at 6.33 p.m., Idaho Falls 911 received multiple reports of screams coming from 825 Elm Street, also known as the Death House, or as the locals call it, the Old Harrington House. Now what these callers heard, to use Patricia's words, was the ghoulish things that happened in the basement. I have in my hand right here Officer Freeman's report, and I can see why Patricia didn't want to talk about it. At 18.36, I responded code 3 to screams coming from 825 Elm Street. Upon arrival, I observed two individuals on the porch, both covered in blood. I exited my vehicle, drew my weapon, and told them to show their hands. As I approached, I noticed they were kids, a girl approximately 17 years old, and a boy around 8. Neither complied with my commands and appeared to be in shock. I asked them if they were okay, and the girl replied, not our blood, the basement, oh God, go to the basement. I put them in my patrol car as Officer Wells arrived on scene. We entered the house and followed the bloody footprints to the basement door, which was mostly in pieces, with the bottom half still intact. There was a kitchen chair in front of the door, used to climb over the bottom half of the door, which was locked. We called down to the basement, identifying ourselves as police, and there was no response. Officer Wells went first, and I followed behind him. We proceeded slowly down the stairs, again following the bloody footprints. As we approached the bottom of the stairs, we noticed a trail of blood emanating from two bodies laying in a pool of blood in front of what appeared to be a fallen brick wall. One body appeared to be female, lay face down, and was heavily mutilated so age could not be approximated. She was later identified as Madeline Harrington. The other body was male, approximately 18 years old, lying face up, and no immediate wounds were visible due to the amount of blood. He was identified as Christian Harrington. Both parties were DOA. After a quick check of the other rooms in the basement, we proceeded upstairs and conducted a thorough search, 
finding nothing out of the ordinary. Officer Wells roped off the area outside and took control of the door while I tended to the kids from the porch who were identified as Ariel Langford and her brother Robbie Langford. The ambulance transported the Langford children along with their mother to the Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center to be checked out. Per Sergeant McDonald, who took over as scene commander, I took statements from the neighbors, which did include the callers to 911. Those statements are attached to this report. So far, this is the closest we've been able to learn about what happened in the basement. But, unfortunately, it doesn't tell us everything. So, I got my hands on the post-mortem report, hoping that would shine some light on how these two died. But, the copies I was given were so full of redactions that they're basically useless. The only thing it did reveal was the toxicology reports came back clean on both Madeline and Christian. Alright, so let's turn our attention to Ariel and Robbie. Lots of questions here. Why were they in the basement of the Harringtons on Christmas Eve? And what did they actually witness? Did they see what happened or did they arrive after? Now, we haven't been able to find Ariel, but Sutton was able to locate Robbie, who now goes by Robert and he still lives in Idaho Falls. So, I texted him told him who I was, told him about the investigation, and I asked him if we could meet. Several days went by, nothing, nothing, and then I finally got a response, which was simply text only. So that kind of gives you an indication of, of this guy. He His answers were very short and very kind of cryptic, and he really, you know, even before we got into the questions about that night, he just gave off this really strange vibe. You know, he just seemed a bit off. And, and and this vibe was really so strong that it came through text, which is not easy to do. That's why we have emojis, but this guy didn't need emojis. They, his vibe just came right through. We, it was just very, very odd. Anyway, I asked him about that night, and he really didn't want to talk about it. Understandable, of course. But I'm going to read you his text, and I'm not quite sure how these are going to translate through audio, but here it goes. Robert, can you tell me why you were in the Harrington's basement on the night of December 24th, 1977? His response, that night should stay in the past. So I asked him, what happened down there? Did you see what happened? It's not something we should talk about. So I told him, I'm just trying to find the truth of what happened. Were you and Ariel there when Madeline and Christian were killed? And his response, yes. And what happened that night ended months of really bad shit. And that's all I will say about it. So learning my lesson from Patricia, I didn't want to piss him off. So I didn't push him any further. But I switched gears and asked him if he could put us in touch with Ariel since we've had trouble locating her. And with that, he stopped responding and all our calls go directly to voicemail. But, you know, hey, we're going to keep trying and maybe I can get him to meet me for coffee or something when I move down there. But at least for now, it looks like our only lead to an eyewitness to what really happened down there has gone cold. But 
Even though Robert didn't reveal exactly what happened, he did mention those deaths ended months of really bad shit. So what's that all about? And is any of it important to our investigation? So I have to admit, I can't control my curiosity about what happened in that basement 40 years ago. But it's it's really more than that. Because really, I think there's a connection to what happened in 1977 on that night and what happened to Sutton. So walk with me here. First, according to the demon tapes... In 1969, Agatha promised a baby to a demon named Serath in exchange to end her suffering. We heard that on the tapes. Then eight years later, her daughter and her grandson die in a very gruesome death in the basement. So then the house is empty for about 39 years until 2016 when Sutton moves in, right? So this makes her the first to live in the house since the deaths occurred in the basement. Sutton moves in, barely a month into living there, she wakes up in that same basement in a pool of blood and the feeling that she lost a baby. And her baby was the first baby to enter that house since that promise was made almost a half century earlier. And then there's the thing that happened to me back in July, right? I woke up in my own basement in several inches of red water without recollection of the last three days or how I even ended up in the basement. Now, yeah, sure. It was my basement and it was red water and not blood, but, but, It seems like sort of a reenactment of what happened back then. And, you know, possibly even a warning that I might actually suffer the same fate as the others. But if we go back to the police report, it mentions a fallen brick wall. So was there a hidden room? And if so, what was inside? Was Sarath keeping something there? And did Madeline and Christian find it? I don't know, maybe they found the book that we're looking for and Sarath is the one responsible for their deaths. I mean, Officer Freeman did report Madeline's body being mutilated and is this why Robbie didn't want to talk about it? Did he actually see a demon kill these people? Lots of questions, but there's one thing that I do know and that if there's anything to find in that basement or anywhere in that house, I will find it when I move in there. Wally Fitch out. Hey, it's me, Sutton. If you like the Walk in Darkness podcast, please support our investigation by going to awalkindarkness.com. Expenses add up and every little bit helps us follow leads in the investigation. And don't forget, in between episodes... The story continues on Instagram. Follow A Walk in Darkness for the big picture. Thank you for listening and for your support.